Hi, this is Cole. The team here had a fun session recently that Mike organized, a fantasy graph draft. You'll hear the excitement in their voices as they vie for the charts of their choice and explain the reasoning behind their draft decisions. Before I turn things over to Mike, I wanted to share a couple quick updates. First, I'm thrilled to report that my new book, Storytelling with You, comes out in a few short weeks on September 27th, 2022. I actually just received the very first copy of it from the printer yesterday, and it looks really good. I'm very excited to share it with you. Visit storytellingwithyou.com to get sample content and pre-order. Building on the book launch, we have some special events planned this fall in Milwaukee and London. These will each incorporate content from the new book, plus our classic one-day storytelling with data workshop and our U.S. and European celebratory book launch parties. The Milwaukee sessions take place on September 28th and 29th, and London will be on October 26th. Full details and registration at storytellingwithdata.com slash workshops. You can use the code PODCAST10, that's PODCAST10, at checkout for 10% off the registration registration price. I hope you enjoy this episode of the Storytelling with Data podcast. Welcome to the Storytelling with Data podcast, where listeners around the world learn to be better storytellers and presenters. We'll cover a wide range of topics that will help you effectively show and tell your data stories. So get ready to separate yourself from the mess of 3D exploding pie charts and deliver knockout presentations. And with that, here's Mike. I'm Mike Cisneros. I'm here on the panel with my colleagues, Amy, Alex, and Simon. We are all data storytellers here at Storytelling with Data. So we are all colleagues, but for this event, we are not just colleagues, but also competitors. Alex, Amy, and Simon, and all of you who are joining us today are going to be participating in a fantasy draft for charts and graphs. For some of you, this might be your first experience with fantasy leagues or fantasy drafts of any kind. In case you are unfamiliar, a quick explanation. They've been around for a long time. Usually it happens when a bunch of friends get together. They each take on the role of owners of a fantasy team, build a little fantasy league, and they build the rosters of their teams by taking turns selecting actual professional athletes. So once they've built their team, they use the statistical performance of athletes in actual games to simulate the matchups between their fantasy teams. And I think anyone who's participated in fantasy leagues in the past can tell you that the draft is actually the most fun part of the entire experience, much more than going through the whole season of the fantasy league. So because of that, we're going to simulate the experience of a fantasy draft, but instead of professional athletes, today we are going to be drafting charts and graphs. Now this will be a four-team draft today, and there are four data storytellers here, but only three of them will be participating in this draft. I will not be drafting a team. I will be your host, or in fantasy league terms, your commissioner. So the actual owner of the fourth team is going to be all of you. Everybody here who is attending will collectively build your own team drafting against Alex, Amy, and Simon. 
So you'll all be trying to build the best possible team using whatever definition of best you think is appropriate. Everybody has their own strategy. Maybe they're picking graphs they particularly like or building towards a versatile team that could handle all different types of data. Maybe you want to focus on building a team that's good for communicating data to the public or specifically in business. Or maybe you're thinking of putting graphs together that might work well together, like in a dashboard. Whatever strategy you choose, whatever definition of best you have, it's fine. It's all up to you. So let's talk about the mechanics of the draft a little bit. We're going to go five rounds. So each team will end up with five charts or graphs on their team. We'll take turns. You'll add one graph or chart at a time to your team. And keep in mind that once a graph type has been chosen by one team owner, that graph is off the table. There will be no more picking of that graph for your team. Now, Alex, Amy, and Simon are going to make their choices verbally, but all of you will choose your team collectively by popular vote. So what I'm about to do now is I'm going to randomly select the order of the draft for the graph draft. Here is the draft order. Amy gets the first pick, Simon goes second, Alex goes third, and the premium team gets the fourth pick, but then the first pick in the second round. All right, so that should come as a surprise to everybody on the team who did not know what the draft order was going to be heading into it. Amy, how do you feel about getting the first pick in the draft? It's exciting. I was nervous about not being able to get the graphs on my list that I wanted. So going first means I get to definitely get at least one of those. But it's a lot of pressure because you want to be strategic about which one you choose and the order that you choose them. So I have mixed feelings about this being first. So much pressure. I hope it's a good choice. I debated back and forth about this a little bit, but I think I want to go with the basic bar chart because I find that that is so versatile. It can be used in a number of places. It's great for categorical data. So I'm going to pick the bar chart. All right. Sorry, Alex. And also sorry to the premium members because I see that is getting upvoted a lot as well. But <laughs> I do find bars are intuitive and very easy for audiences to understand and interpret. So I often use bar charts when I'm communicating data, especially in a business setting. I think that's a solid pick. I mean, it's not a surprising pick. As you said, if you're looking ahead to what the premium team was going to pick, that was a big popular choice there as well. But given that you have a long time to wait until you get to the next pick in your draft, I can understand why you'd want to make sure you have a solid first pick there. Simon, is this a disappointment to you that bar chart is gone? It's not. It's not, Mike, actually. It's, it's okay. I can live with this choice from Amy, so that's a good start from me. Hi, everyone. I am going to unveil my strategy at the beginning because it will make a lot more sense as I go through my draft. And like a draft, like as Mike has said, it's a lot of it's based around the fantasy element of building a sports team. So I'm going to create my own sports team. I'm going to create a five-a-side soccer team or football team, as I'm going to call it, going forward. And within a football team, a five-a-side team, you need a goalkeeper. And my goalkeeper needs to be dependable, but also goalkeepers are a little bit eccentric. They We expect them to do some daft things because of that my chart choice for this round is going to be the stacked bar chart. Dependable, because we love 
bar charts, as Amy mentioned, they're easy to evaluate. We get a good sense of the total. The stacks, the subcategories underneath, allow us to make a sum evaluations. But of course, we can all know and name and see charts where we've used far too many stacks and gone above and beyond. And that's the eccentricity that I'm relating to, the goalkeeping position for this particular pick. That is a, I would say, a surprising pick. Any uh, reactions from the team as to stacked bars going in the second pick overall? Wasn't going to be my first choice, so I'm feeling pretty good about the next round. <laughs> <laughs> well, given that you have this sports-themed way of organizing your team, that might open up some possibilities for the rest of the group that uh, maybe they didn't realize that they were going to have. And Alex, this might be a nice benefit to you. You might have been disappointed going third. I might have thought there were some couple of charts that would go off the board right away, and now one might fall to you in the third position of the draft. Yeah, so I'm with Lisa Carlson and Carlos here. I want to go with the scatter plot. Thinking here is that one, I love a good scatter plot. My training and background is in statistics. However, I have more of a flexible strategy going in where I am just really trying to cover all bases here. And so my graphing tool of choice is Excel. And if you are an Excel wizard by any means, you know that the XY scatter in Excel is the go-to anytime you need to create any sort of novel chart. So while I think, well, it may look like I'm choosing one chart here, in my mind, I just got dot plots, I got line charts, and so much more with an XY scatter plot. So I feel like I'm winning. <laughs> Carlos says any chart is a scatter plot at the end of the day. Exactly. But you're going for the versatility that the scatter plot is offering you. That that's a clever way to start building your team. Just as long, Alex, as you're not claiming lines and dots as well. <laughs> <They're still laughs> <on the table. laughs> well, I think that opens up a great opportunity for the premium team because they are going to get these back-to-back -back picks here at the end of the first round and at the beginning of the second round. And the premium team is probably going to be thrilled to find that line charts are going to fall to them at the end of round one, the fourth pick overall, which is a shock to me. I thought these were definitely going to go with bar charts at one and two. But here are line graphs available to the premium team in the fourth pick of the draft. Y'all, how did line graphs go this, go this late? What, what do y'all hate about line graphs? I think they're one of the most versatile chart types out there. I mean, I agree with you, but I went with the scatter plot, so I can essentially make a line chart, you know? Yeah, I, I had line charts, Mike, but later point within my team. It's okay. I have backup. I have substitutes ready on the bench. <laughs> <laughs> I would be thrilled if I were in this draft. Obviously, I'm, I'm sort of revealing what my own strategy might have been. Uh, I might have taken lines pretty early on as well, but I got to say, that is a great pick at the end of the first round. So congratulations to the premium team for having that available to them, a real surprise. So let's see what we have left for the premium team for their second pick, because those were the obvious ones. I think the next choice here is heat map. Now I do think a heat map is a great way to start building some visual elements into the standard old table, which is something that I think is important when you are getting started visualizing in an organization that is table heavy, start to add those, like I always call it the training wheels 
of visualization when you start to add a little bit of color, a little bit of visual cues into numbers. I think this is a, a real reasonable pick in the second round, especially paired with line graphs, because you have an easy way to visualize information, but then when you have a lot of information that you feel like you have to show at all, that heat map will give you a chance to show the table, but also give you those visual cues as well. So Alex, we're coming back around to you with your second pick of the draft. You have something now you can pair with scatter plots. What do you think you would like to do with the second pick of the draft for your team? Yeah, I'm going to go with 100% stacked bars for 500 money. <laughs> <laughs> so my thinking here is that I want something to help me visualize part to whole relationships can also work well for continuous data sets. So I see some flexibility in here. So maybe Simon's stacked bars were on my list early on, but just slightly different variation there. Yeah. So you like this as a balance to the scatter plot. You think it can do things that your scatter plot can't. Yeah, so showing that part to whole relationship when I'm comparing categories over time, just a little bit of flexibility there as well as something that's easily understood by a wide audience. Yeah, I think that's a, a great approach here. You're starting to build a versatile team. Do you have a strategy that you want to reveal or are we gonna, you're going to keep us guessing? We're going to have to see it as it develops. I would say it's a CYMOA strategy, cover all bases, <laughs> right? All right. Well, we'll see what happens as the, as the draft keeps going. I think it might get a little wilder as we move into the later rounds. But for now, speaking of wild, Simon, who on your five-a-side squad is going to take the field next? I'm sorry. I'm sorry. The pitch. Who is going to take the pitch next? <laughs> take the pitch. Well, we need a defender, don't we? So someone who's going to protect the team, protect those shots, getting towards our goalkeeper. So we need, again, something dependable and something simple. And what could be more simpler than two points? What could be more simpler than a slope chart, which is essentially a line chart with just two points? Slope charts are great because they allow us to really see the change between those two points. And of course, the other advantage to a slope chart compared with a line chart is we can use categorical data as well, because we are emphasizing the change between those two elements. Amy, you've waded through almost two full rounds of picks. We are back around to you. Did you miss out on what you were hoping to get in the second round? Or is your strategy still available to you? It's me, finally. I've been waiting. Yes, I've been crossing a lot of options off my list as I've been sitting here and quietly thinking about what to pick next. And I get back-to-back -back picks, so I have an opportunity here. I'm going to do something that might seem a little strange, and I'm actually not going to pick a graph or a chart. I am going to opt for simple text because just because you have numbers doesn't mean you always need to build a graph. If you have one or two numbers to communicate, I love simple text. And I might stretch this simple text to encapsulate qualitative data if I want to present a quote, perhaps. So I'm aiming to kind of build a versatile team, things that'll work well, but still be very straightforward and applicable in a business setting. I really like that choice. Good pick. Starting to build a pretty strong team here, and you're going to continue that because you do have back-to-back -back picks as we start to fill out our draft board for round three. Who do you have in mind for your third graph of the draft? For my third graph, I think I'm going to go with something that can represent part-to-whole relationships pretty well. 
not going to be a pie chart. It's going to be the waffle chart or the square area chart, which is also really good at showing orders of magnitude. Something that I've used before in the past. So I know there's a number of use cases available for this chart type and it kind of rounds out some of the other types of data my other charts already address. How are you trying to build your team? I'm trying to see what your strategy might be here, if you're willing to reveal. Well, my strategy is make a big long list. Think about <laughs> what's going to be most useful in a business setting, I think more generally or communicating to a public. So trying to avoid something really overly complicated and sophisticated. So trying to keep it more general, user friendly and trying to get a variety of chart types so that I've got a you know good set of tools in my toolkit available depending on the situation that I find myself in. So not planning to build a specific story or a, you know necessarily using them together, but trying to make it flexible enough that I could should that situation arise. Yeah, and I think that's reasonable. It's sort of the, if you don't know what data you're gonna be asked to visualize, you don't know the scenario, you want a nice versatile group of graphs or even simple text that can get the job done. I like yours too, Simon, a very different approach. I'm curious to know what is going to happen as this squad continues to be filled out. Stacked bars in round one, slope chart in round two. Where are we going with round three? Well, we're going into midfield, Mike. So we need a midfielder. We need someone who is going to connect the defense and the attack. Someone who can find those little pockets of space, provide those through balls. Something exploratory, potentially. And for this, I'm going to choose the histogram. So the histogram is a great chart choice when we're looking to potentially understand some pattern. It really gives us the underlying distributions of data. A great example is putting things like property sales, where we've quantified the distribution by the sale price, putting, putting them into 50,000 pound buckets. So now it's easy to see where the distribution lies. And then we can take that histogram and potentially turn it into something a little more explanatory. So I love a histogram because it allows us to see those patterns, see those trends before then we maybe go into the next stage of our communication of data. Can you say a little bit more? Because this to me looks like a bar chart. Can you say a little bit more about how they differentiate between the histogram and the bar chart? Yeah, so the bar chart, we're quantifying the, by categories. So we're looking at certain categories and the quantities within those categories. With the histogram, we're plotting the distribution within buckets of categories. So in this case, the sale price, 50,000 to 100,000. How many sales have occurred within that particular range? And so that allows us to see where there are vast quantities that are falling within those particular ranges. That's great because you can also change the bucket sizes or the, the quantities of buckets. Yeah. And maybe that lets you, as you said, you're trying to use this exploratorily. Mm -hmm. So you can maybe see how the shape of the data might differ if we change the buckets, or at least it gives you a more sort of holistic view into what the whole population of data looks like. Yeah. It's also a I mean. nice workaround for you not having the actual bar chart, but I will trust you to use this in your visualizations. Although you do have stacked bars, so I guess you're okay there. Alex, back around to you for your third pick of the draft. How are you feeling about your team so far and, the, and its prospects for the future? I think things are going pretty expected. I had a plan, an ideal list in mind. Amy may have thrown that out of whack a little bit, but I've got some backups coming up, so we're good. Substitutions, as Simon would say. So for my third pick, I'm going to go with what I would call an isotype chart, but it might be known to others as a unit chart. So 
my thinking here is that this is a good alternative for losing the waffle chart. Big difference between a waffle chart, also sometimes known as a square area chart, is that instead of using basic shapes like the square, instead we're using icons and symbols to represent either specific quantities or ranges. So I like this one because, again, it fits in that part-to-whole comparison, can work well for highlighting numbers of different magnitudes, and also lets me get a little bit artistic with my choices, which I always like to do, is to visualize data a little bit differently. So this is feeling like a good fit here. Yeah, so I'm feeling pretty good about this one. Yeah, and we might have had some offline discussions in advance of this that some people <laughs> had questions for the commish about whether there were differences between different chart types. And if you picked one, do you get all of these or do you only get a subset of them? We had a discussion about our vertical bar charts and horizontal bar charts, different things. The commish decided they were the same things, but you could certainly argue the opposite. We decided that isotype charts and unit charts were different because of the thing that Alex just mentioned, is that you can start to use iconography and start to use sort of imagery to bring a different level of understanding into the chart, but also some limitations, because as you can see with the isotype chart here, you only want to have full bodies of people. You don't want to start cutting people in half or thirds or whatever and trying to ask your audience to make sense of the specific delineations. Great pick. Thanks. Uh, so let's swing back around to the end of round three. It's up to the premium team. And fortunately, because they have two picks in a row, there's actually two picks that are sort of competing right now for the most popular among the premium team. The top one for a long time was a dumbbell plot. So I'm actually going to give that one the connected dot plot, I guess is the better way to say that. Yeah. So this is a, a good one when you're comparing two variables, especially when it's not the length of the variables that matter, but rather there's their position on a scale so that there's no meaningful relationship to zero and you just want to show what the difference is among them. Or when there's multiple comparisons along different categories, you're trying to make you know pairwise comparisons as you go down a bunch of categories. This is one alternate way of showing it. There's so many variations on dot plots, dumbbell plots being one of them. Others that might get mentioned later on in the draft, which is why we have separated them out into being different options. That means, all right, folks, I think this is a reasonable choice here in round four, pie chart. Because as you know, pie charts aren't evil. Pie charts definitely have a utility. They're great when you're trying to show that stuff is part of a whole relationship. And we don't have a lot of part to whole things mentioned. And I know somebody did say that in the Q&A when you were trying to discuss what the next chart type should be for the premium team. So I think this Especially in round four, I think this is a, a great pick. And I think with line graphs, heat map, dumbbell plot, pie chart, I think you're building a pretty good roster there for the premium team. Well done collectively, everybody, with no warm-up and no warning. You're building a really strong roster there. Coming back around now to Alex, after isotype chart, what do you have for your fourth pick in the draft? Yeah, so I'm going to continue the food theme here and do something completely out of character. I've only made this graph type once, but I knew I was going to lose the bar chart early, so I needed to think of alternatives. And I felt pretty good about a lollipop chart as an alternative to a bar chart. So for those of you that are unfamiliar, a lollipop chart still uses length. You're still scanning the length of a category, but instead of a bar, you're using a line and a dot on the end. So 
some advantages of a lollipop chart. It can work really well when you have a large data set or a lot of categories because those lines have less of a footprint. So it can make the graph feel visually less overwhelming here. I think that this was a topic that was raised prior to the draft. Lollipop charts are their own thing because you can make the thickness or thinness of the bar whatever you want it to be. I think that it draws your eye differently than bar charts do. I think it more explicitly draws your eye to those circles, to the, to the candy on the end of the lollipop stick, for lack of a better word. But the stick itself is reminding you that the length is important. So while it's not exactly a variation on a bar chart, it's to Alex's point, I think it's a variation on ways to show value, like the full value of something, which maybe we don't often make explicit when we're trying to decide what charts to use, is that some charts are better at emphasizing the full value and some are just for position in space. And I think this does emphasize like the, the, the position, but it lets us know by having that stick associated with it that, no, no, you have to consider the values as well. Now, there's also a little bit of visual interest to be generated sure. here, and then that can come into play because we don't always have to like maximize the readability. Sometimes you're trying to make things more interesting in different environments, whether you're doing it for the public or it's like partially decoration or you don't have to have it be quite so precise because that is one argument against the lollipop charts is you lose a little bit of precision into where the end is because it's not a straight line, it's a bubble. So is it the edge of the bubble? Like this gets into real pedantic discussions of where does the lollipop go? Is it the center of the lollipop or the edge of it? But I think Alex, for building your team, you really didn't have anything that could show that kind of value, that, that kind of you know, quantitative value the way that you want, want to do it. So we'll allow it. Lollipop chart. <laughs> Great choice, Alex. Thank you. Sorry, Amy. Bar chart doesn't include all of those things. I like Alex's team is just like a prettier, more creative version of mine, it feels like. <laughs> With the isotype charts and the lollipop charts. It seems, seems typical. It's what she always does. <laughs> oh boy she's very artistic and creative that's meant as a compliment <laughs> oh okay i thought you were already trying to lobby for the, the, or lay the groundwork for future assessments of our respective teams that'll come later but simon over to you now for your fourth pick in the graph draft yeah, I'm, I'm going to raise the creativity stakes a little bit here, Mike. And well, we need some creativity in our team. Otherwise, we don't manage to create any chances and goals. So I need a midfielder that's going to be a maverick, be someone that can yeah, drift past opponents, find that killer past. So something that's really creative, but also potentially considered a little bit of a luxury. I'm going to pick for this choice the Sankey chart. And the Sankey chart, I think, is a great way of visualizing pathways. And the, those pathways are visualized by way of a flow from an original source, and then to see where those flows go to. And the of those flows dictates the quantity. So the example on the screen here, looking at how a headcount has changed, a great, of using a, or a great use case, should I say, for using a Sankey chart. Another great use case could be education choices, you know, where you go to from a senior school into university, which causes you to take your progression through your career. A great use case for a Sankey. But in this case, very easy to see the flow from those people that are employed, 24 in 2020 Q1, 
those that have left in the lever box and then that progression continues throughout the quarters. So I've picked a Sankey chart for this creative midfielder that's going to supply our chances to our striker. Fantastic. You know what? I see Sankey charts used a lot in online to people showing their job assert pathways of this is how many applications I put in, like this is how many interviews I got, this is how many times I got to the second round, and like other flows to where they fell out of the process along the way. That seems to be a popular application of of the Sankey diagram these days. And it also seems to be one of those charts that people turn to when they decide, I'm ready to be more creative. I'm ready to figure out how to use my tools to build things that aren't available out of the box. What, where do I go? And it's almost like the rite of passage for people who are learning to use their tools beyond what the standard visualization types are. It's the Sankey diagram, I think, is where they go. Definitely. I saw an interactive version of the Sankey where the challenge was to spell someone's name correctly, like a quite an uncommon oh, name, uh -huh. spell it correctly. And as you type the letters in, it shows you everyone else's responses and builds that Sankey as you go. It's pretty, pretty cool to look at to see how many different variations of someone's name people have come up with crowdsource. I think the, the graph that you're describing is from the pudding. If anyone could be. Yeah, wants yeah. to Google it. Yeah, it's a pretty awesome yeah. visualization and fun way right. to get interactive with it. Yeah, fantastic. Amy, you have the next pick in the draft, but also the next pick after that, which will fill out your team. So here's your chance to determine what your entire roster is going to be. Well, if I look at what I have so far, I've got bars, which are pretty versatile. They're very good for categorical data. I have a simple text, which is good for just one or two numbers or potentially qualitative data. I've got waffle charts, which are good at showing part to whole and orders of magnitude. So I don't have anything yet for continuous data. I would have opted for the line graph for that. That's probably the best candidate, but the premium members got that in the first round. So kudos to them. My next bet would have probably been the slope graph, which Simon got in the second round. So now I'm thinking what other types of chart type, charts could I use for continuous data? And I think I might opt, this isn't really a chart that I use often, but for continuous data, I think an area chart would be a good option. So that's a variation of a line graph where you fill the space below. There are some challenges to interpret them, but I think I could make some thoughtful de design choices and get, a, get, around, get around the challenges there. Yeah, they're, I mean, they can be pretty you know, and they can be eye-catching, and we do see them used a lot in the real world. What are some of the challenges that you see as far as why you might hesitate to use them if it wasn't, if you weren't obliged to because this is what your team is? Yeah, so sometimes I think people are uncertain if the areas are stacked and accumulative or if that is the absolute value. I think in this case, it looks like they are not cumulative, but you want to be thoughtful in how you present it and make sure it's clear around what the measure that's being plotted actually is. As if they weren't stacked, but they looked like they were, you could make them like translucent, I suppose. So maybe you could see some of the differences or maybe always stack. But then if you're stacking them, then it's hard to see the individual values, I guess, over time. But again, with the upside being they can be more visually appealing, so it might get someone's attention maybe in a more public sphere. But also the upside of it for you is, as you said, you didn't have any graph type that you could use for this kind of data, so you had to go with what was left. So, you know, I think that's a pretty good choice based on 15 graph types being off the board <laughs> already. 
with what is left. How are we going to fill out this team? Who is the fifth and final selection for Amy's graph draft? I don't know that answer yet. There's so many options I could go oh. with. Most of my choices have been picked. I feel like I've covered a lot of the broad use cases you see. So maybe I can pick something that's a little bit more, I guess, less common, more nuanced. Maybe not something I would use very often, but something that might be nice to have in my toolkit. So for that, I think I'm going to go with a map, a coral pleth map, which is like a filled map. I know there's challenges with maps, especially when maybe the area of the, ge the geography you're presenting doesn't necessarily represent the population, but I think they can be engaging. They can be nice for geographical data. So that's what I'm picking for my fifth and final chart type. Yeah, it is. There are many ways of using maps. We don't use it that much, but sometimes you want to pick something for fun, something for yourself, picking the choropleth map. There's so many pitfalls with maps, but I do think that it can be useful if there is an actual geographic component to the shape of the data that we are showing that might come across most effectively when we use the choropleth map. So I, uh, I think that gives you versatility in your team, to be fair. Like this is the first sort of geographic way of showing information that anybody has picked. And it's not like that never comes up, it comes up a lot. People love maps. You know, it's going to give you some positive vibes from the people you're creating visualizations for. So great pick, great team. We'll see how it compares to everyone else's team in just a few moments. Because I don't know who Simon's got a silky midfielder, I think. He's got a forward, he's a striker, he's got a defense, he's got a keeper. Who do you fill out your five-a-side team with? A defensive midfielder? Who's left? Yeah, no strikers yet, Mick, here. Right. So we do have a space left open for our goal scorer. Goal scorers are single-minded, they're selfish, all they care about is how many goals they scored, how they match up against other goal scorers. How do we visualize that? We use a bump chart, which can allow us to detect changes in rank. It's a type of line chart, but it specializes in how rank changes over time. Really good example of a bump chart, and the one that I often use and look at is Grand Prix Formula One racing where you can see at the end of each lap where each driver stands in terms of their position and it's really interesting especially in incident pack races to see the positions of those drivers change. The slight drawback with a bump chart is that we only see the rank we don't see the values associated to them so we know that Lewis Hamilton is in first place Max Verstappen in second place or that would be a nice story to have. We don't know. <laughs> we don't know by how many seconds that Hamilton is ahead of Verstappen. For competitiveness, for ranking, use a bump chart, and that completes my team. All right, let's take a look at how your squad has stacked up. Stack bars, slope chart, histogram, Sankey bump chart. You've got some creativity there, some standard, some meat and potatoes, I guess, as well. There's a little bit of variety here kind of feel like you need to write down what the strategy was and how it's uh, how it relates to the team <laughs> to, make any, yeah. to make any sense yeah. of it <laughs> yeah i might like to see how that uh, i'd like to see that written out so i could refer back to it so i could see how the the tactics of this particular squad i'd like to see how that plays sure thing uh, alex with your final pick in the draft how are you going to fill out this roster 
Yeah. So I don't know how to describe my final pick, to be honest. But my goal going into this is that I wanted something that was going to help me convey qualitative information, but also sometimes the information I'm trying to get across is not just numerical or it's not data per se, but rather information. It's a process, a concept I'm trying to get across. And so usually when I do that, I tend to start sketching. So my choice is sketch notes or data illustrations, so to speak. I don't know how to how to categorize yeah. this, Mike. Okay, I'm going to put sketches. And the example that I have of this is the sort of illustrations that Mona, Mona Shalabi does. Yeah. But like Nigel Holmes used to do visualizations like this as well, melding the worlds of illustrative the side of things and the the data visualization side of things because they tend to be more memorable when you see them this way. Your pick also encompasses the idea of sketching things out ahead of time, which I think is a valid uh, approach. And it's not specifically a graph type or a chart type, but it is an approach to visualizing data. Sometimes simply hand drawing things can give it more of a personal feel for the audience. They can feel more connected to it. Sometimes it helps to make the information you're conveying feel a, a little more variable and uncertain, which can be a thing that uncertainty is something that is really challenging to visualize anyway. And something sometimes just sketches help to do that rather than the rigidity of something that is obviously computer generated. So the broad concept of sketching or illustrating is, yeah, the commission says this one is okay, especially in round five. You're not taking anything away. I don't think from anybody else here. Simon, you have a difference of opinion. I was going to say, I feel like most of your picks, Alex, had to go through the commission rather than being the standard standard chart types. I can't <laughs> help if I now. took advantage of the rules, Simon. <laughs> saying it's wrong. <laughs> well, with that, we have one last pick in the draft, which is the premium team's final pick. And this one has been towards the top of the list for quite a while, which has been waterfall charts. And I think that waterfall charts are great for the specific use case that they are intended for, which is showing the components of change rather than just showing how things change from beginning to end. There are some industries where you see them used a lot more frequently than others. Finance a lot, insurance like this one is headcount. So for HR, we can see how many people were hired and how many people left or how many people came into the department and left over the course of a single quarter, which gives you a little bit more resolution into how things changed than you would get if you just saw the numbers at the beginning of the quarter and at the end. So when you want to have more of that detail, a waterfall chart can bring that to the foreground for you. And I'm not sure that any of the other chart types that we've had are specifically designed for showing that kind of change, that kind of components of change. So looking at how the premium team's a roster has filled out. You've got line graphs, so you've got those continuous data there. You've got a heat map, which is going to help you with when you have to show that table of data, but add some a little bit of visual elements to it. You've got the dumbbell plot, which helps you to show comparisons between two items. You've got the pie chart for part to whole, maybe the only part to whole graph in the whole draft. And then waterfalls showing a change over time or components of change. I think this is also a pretty strong roster as well. Here at the end of the draft, I just want to swing back around to the, uh, here's the big board, give you a chance to look at your relative squads, maybe feel proud of who you picked or 
maybe jealous of what other folks did. Maybe you have some regrets for what you weren't able to get. We'll actually be sharing this out a little bit later on because we want to see who the world thinks did the best in this draft because we're not going to play any matches with this. We're not going to have the charts compete head-to-head in any way, but we will probably use these teams for other things later on as well. So keep an eye out for that in future events. I also want to swing back around to the cheat sheet where we have some of the chart types that weren't selected. A lot of good stuff still on the board that didn't get chosen, I think. Some oddball charts, but some that like, nobody chose, like a basic table, I guess. So that would have been a good one. Nobody chose, well, you did choose the bar chart. That one was actually taken. I just didn't click on it. When you said, Alex, you were going for a food chart, I started to type donut in my head, <laughs> but you went around to the lollipop chart. So you had that one as well. I'm surprised dashboard didn't get taken. Yeah, I thought that somebody might come up with dashboard as a good way to get a collection of charts. But there was also a chance that somebody was going to use that as their strategy of I'm trying to build charts that would work well together on a single dashboard, which might be something we explore later on as well. I feel like I might need to try and answer Carlos's question about who the manager of my team might be. Oh, yeah. Who's, who's the manager? The manager. So... Obviously, a results-orientated business, the result is everything in football. So the best way of visualizing that kind of target-based approach is I would go with a bullet chart. So bullet chart, a little bit of a hybrid on the bar chart, but has a clear line of expectation and the uh, progression towards that expectation here. Great way of visualizing, tracking towards performance. Perfect for a manager of a team with a bullet chart. Bonus point for that one. Yeah, <laughs> that can be in your squad, but it's not in your on your in your five. So the question: Who won the draft? Well, obviously, as I said, we're not having any matches, but we are going to put this up on social. We're going to sort of solicit the public's opinion on who they think, quote unquote, won this draft. So keep an eye out for that on our Twitter and on our LinkedIn. So what next? Stay tuned, because we're going to do some more stuff with these fantasy teams now that we have drafted them. So stay tuned for that. But other than that, thanks, Alex, Simon, Amy, and all of you for being here today. Great job drafting, and I hope to see you all in the community. Thanks, everyone. Thanks, everyone. And thank Bye-bye. you, Commissioner. Thank you. <laughs> My pleasure. <laughs>